so today I, uh, I, I get up, I get my presents the night before because I leave the house before everybody's awake and I uh, got my presents last night and cool stuff. And I get up this morning and these, uh, there's two cards in my billfold and they're both from Janie and this is unusual. She's never done this before. So I, I was sitting there in my dark house, you know, I'm the only one up and I read this first card and it actually brought tears to my eyes. I'm going to read it to you. Uh, for my husband, when we got married, I know we both wanted more than anything to live happily ever after, but that kind of joy and closeness doesn't come from just wishing. It comes from being together every day through good times and bad, and in everything in between. It comes from being there for each other and developing a bond of trust that cannot be broken. Uh, as my husband, you have gone the extra mile more times than one. You've been the strong, loving father our family needs. And because of your love, you've made me believe that we will indeed live happily ever after. So I'm sitting there, tears in my eyes, and I open up card number two. First came love, then came marriage. After that, all hell broke loose. <clears throat> and I laughed out loud. And I said, oh man, my wife is good. Um, because here's the thing, you know, we've been married 27 years. And, and if you think Janie and I haven't had any problems, it's because you don't know us. You can, you can see somebody from a distance and think, think they've got it all together. We, we don't. We, we just, in the, in the spirit of the sermon today, I wanted to have some full disclosure that, that Janie and I have had rough times. And, and we've had rough times with each other. We've had rough times with our children. Um, and, and through it all, you know, there's a song I sang to her at our wedding and it was by Stephen Curtis Chapman. It says, I will be here. Um, I will be here when you feel like being quiet. I will be here, uh, when you need to speak your mind. Um, I will be here. Um, I can't even remember the rest of it, but it says through it all. I will be here. And so I meant those words 27 years ago. I did promise 50 years, and after that we'd renegotiate. So I've got 23 more years till my renegotiation. But anyway, thank you, baby, for something sweet. Now, um, we're in our third sermon of, on, of this series, What Would Jesus Undo? How many of you remember these bracelets, WWJD, What Would Jesus Do? right? Um, you remember that? It's from the book um, In His Steps by Charles Sheldon. And the whole idea was, no matter what your situation is, you look at it and you say, what would Jesus do? And whatever Jesus would do in your situation, you do that. It's a great premise. But what we're looking at is what would Jesus undo? Um, week one, we said that Jesus stepped out of heaven that he, he gave up the glory of heaven so that he could purchase your freedom. He could give you purpose in life. He could give you meaning. He could give you forgiveness of sins, a clear conscience, all of those things. And we said that the thing that makes Jesus angry is when we, we have this spiritually indifferent attitude towards this incredible gift that he gives us. Hey, do you love Jesus? Nah. Hey, you want to go to church? Nah, I don't know. Hey, hey, what are you doing to change the world for Christ? Nah. The Bible says that Jesus gets sick to his stomach when we're lukewarm. We're not hot. We're not cold. We don't serve any purpose. When we're indifferent spiritually, the Bible says Jesus wants to vomit us out of his mouth. Makes him sick. He would undo spiritual indifference. The second week, remember, I, got, I had a present here. And, and in the first service, it was John. Second service, it was Chad. But, but I opened up this gift. It was a beautifully wrapped gift. And on the inside, it was empty. And, and I said, how did that make you guys feel? And they're like, well, like you're a jerk. Uh, you know, that type of thing, like you don't care about me. And I said, that's exactly what we do to Jesus week in and week out when we go through the motions of singing songs just because the words are on there. We offer him an if empty gift. And Jesus said, when you worship me like that, when you, when you offer me this hollow worship, nothing on the inside, he said, you worship me in vain. Jesus would undo 
um, hollow worship. Well, today I'm going to talk about something that Jesus despised. And, and just to, to help you understand, it's easier to see in others than it is in ourselves. Let me just have a little, little quiz here. And this is crowd participation. You're going to raise your hand if you know somebody who is a hypocrite. Let me see your hand. All right, I think that's everybody. Even some of you aren't, you know, you know a hypocrite. Now, now let's, let's go this step further. If you say, not only do I know a hypocrite, but I'm sitting next to one right now. Right? Don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. Don't. <laughs> I knew you were going to do it. Travis and Gary were back there raising their hands in the first service. I knew somebody would do that. Here's the problem with doing that. Is if Chad says, oh man, my wife is a, my, my wife's a hypocrite. She can say, so are you, buddy. And we have this scale, right? I'm a hypocrite, not compared to you. You know what? And, and, and she, could, she could probably rattle some stuff off. We won't, we won't go there today. <laughs> he knows he would lose. He's an, even on Father's Day. So the thing is, there is no, no hypocrisy scale. Um, we, need to, we need to understand that no matter what, if it's a little bit of hypocrisy or a lot, Jesus despises it. And here's the real problem. Many people have walked away from church. They've walked away from God because of somebody else's hypocrisy, right? Brennan Manning was, was a pastor and theologian. He was actually, I think, an Anglican priest. I want you to read this with me, this, this quote that he shared several years ago in his book. Um, the single greatest cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, then walk out the door and deny him with their lifestyle. And then look at this last sentence. This is what un the unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable, they say, if that's the Jesus you follow, I don't want anything to do with him. So we really need to work on this, this attitude of hypocrisy. And if we're going to do that, we've got to understand what it is. So first, I'm going to tell you what it's not. This is on your listening guide. Hypocrisy is not the difference between what we do and what we wish we did. All right? It's not like, well, I, I, I wish I didn't have bad thoughts, but I had bad thoughts. It's not like, I wish I didn't say those hurtful things, but I said those hurtful things. It's, it's not, I wish I hadn't hurt you, but I hurt you. That's sin, not hypocrisy. There's, there's a big difference between sin and hypocrisy. So what is hypocrisy? Hypocrisy is the difference between what we show and who we are. It's the difference between what we say and how we live, the difference between um, how we act in public and how we act in private. Now, from what you know of Jesus, was Jesus any different in public than he was in private? Any different? No, not, not at all. And that's the goal. But, but let, me, let me just ask to make sure we're all on the same page. Would you agree that you, not your neighbor, that you have a long ways to go to be the person, the same person in public that you are in private? Would you say that New Life Community Church has a long ways to go in, in our efforts to be like Jesus? Yes or no? Yes. Jesus would undo hypocrisy because of what it does to other people. And whenever he would, he would rail against hypocrisy, he would use this one word. And, and before you put it up there, what I love, and if you ever come to our one-on-one class, I'm going to tell you this. It, it, the Old Testament was written, the original language was, was Hebrew and Aramaic in both of those languages. The New Testament, the original, was Greek. And I think part of the reason, not only were those people in charge at that time writing the scripture, but part of the reason is because every word had a word picture. And so when Jesus talked about hypocrisy, he used this word, hupokrites, Sounds like hypocrite, right? And here's what it means. Go ahead and put it up there, Bobby. 
Hupokrites means an actor, a stage player, one who hides behind a mask. Anytime Jesus would teach and he would give an illustration, he would use something that the people would very uh, easily understand. So he was talking about the Greek play actors. When they would have a play, they would go to this amphitheater outside and an actor would come on stage, but they would never come on stage with, that, with, their, with their faces. They would always have a mask that they would put on so that you would know they're pretending to be somebody else. They're acting. So um, the, 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 the mask that they would use, go ahead and put that first one up there. Here's, here's some of the masks. You've seen those in drama, right? In, in, in uh, theater or whatever, you've seen these masks. Here's, here's another one. Uh, I guess they, they decided that, you know, you can't see their, their lips moving, so we're going to cut out that. Here's another one for people like me. So like, you know, I can't play people with hair. So this would be a mask that would allow me to play people with hair. And then the weirdest one of all, who would wear this? This is just bizarre. Bump, bumpy man. I don't know. That's just weird to me. Go back to the first one, Bobby. Okay. So, so let's say, wouldn't it be helpful if everybody, everywhere you went, wore a mask so that you knew what they were doing? For example, uh, let's take this one on, on your left here. Let's say that when you saw somebody wearing that creepy mask, they're creepy, right? You saw somebody wearing this mask, you go, what's wrong with them? And they go, well, they're, they're happy hypocrite today. Well, why are they happy? Because you don't know what's going on in their life and they can keep that a secret. Well, why are they a hypocrite? Because they're telling everybody else what you have wrong with you. They're gossiping, they're slandering behind your back. So they're happy hypocrite. Now, not that this would be good, but it sure would be helpful to know, oh, there's happy hypocrite. Or the other one, that's kind of surprised, but let's say that's angry hypocrite. Somebody, you see him, what's wrong with him? Well, he's an angry hypocrite today. Well, what makes him angry? Well, you're breaking all the rules that he has. Well, what makes him a hypocrite? He's not following his own rules, but he doesn't want you to know that. So he's angry. Wouldn't that be helpful? Not good, but at least helpful. Oh, avoid him. Angry hypocrite. Avoid her. Happy hypocrite. Jesus hated hypocrisy. And his followers did too. So Paul wrote half of the New Testament, about half of the New Testament. In Titus, he's telling a young uh, pastor, he's, he's talking about the qualifications first for a deacon or an elder or somebody who has a leadership position in the church. Then he says, these next men, if you go to ch uh, chapter one and you read it, these next men, he said, do not deserve to be leaders in your church. And he starts railing against them. Then in verse 16, he says this, they, the men who should never be in leadership in your church, they claim to know God, but their actions, by their actions, they deny him. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. <laughs> Paul doesn't hold anything back. He's telling this young pastor, these types of men who say one thing and do another should never be in leadership in your church because Jesus hated, hated this attitude, not the person who showed it. Because if Jesus hated hypocrites, we're all going to hell. Would you agree? Whether we mean to be or not, there's times we're hypocritical. So he hated the attitude, not the person. For example, Jesus said, if you give to the church in order to be seen by other people so that they go, woo, look, man, they're sacrificing. Look at those gifts that they gave. Woo, Jesus said, my father in heaven is not gonna give you credit for that because you've got all the credit you're ever gonna receive from people. You're a people pleaser. Woo, live it up. I hope they can save you on the day you die. Jesus said, if, um, if you're praying to impress people, you ever heard people that when they pray, they start using these and thou's and verilies that they don't use in regular language. And I'm not saying that's bad, but, but I want to talk. I want to pray to God just like I would talk to you, right? I want to use the same language. And if you're, he said, Jesus said, if you're praying so that others go, man, how spiritual you are. He said, that's all the reward you're ever going to get. Don't think my father in heaven's going to answer that prayer because you're a people pleaser, not a God pleaser. He said, if you fast, now fasting, most, most of the time we think about fasting, giving up food 
physical food so that you can focus so much on spiritual things. So if you give up physical food so that other people can say, man, look how spiritual they, they're even denying food so they can draw close to God. Jesus says, that's all the reward you're ever going to have is these people going, man, they're spiritual. And God's saying, no, you're not. See, hypocrisy is killing churches. It's killing um, individuals. And Jesus hated the attitude. Remember, there were two times that Jesus entered into the temple and there were money changers in the temple. There were, there were people uh, selling sacrifices. See, here's the deal. In, in Israel, every, a couple of times a year, three times, four times a year, you had to go to the temple to offer a sacrifice, especially like Passover was one of the high holy days. Every male was in, expected to go to the, the uh, temple and offer a sacrifice, and he would usually take his family with him. Well, the problem is they were coming from miles and miles. Sometimes it would take them days to get there. When they would get there, there would be people out in the foyer of the, of the temple, and they would be changing the money into the the temple um, currency. So it'd be like somebody coming from Haiti here. They, they have goods, G-O-U-D-E-S is their, is their uh, money. They would have to exchange it into dollars in order to give to us for it to do us any good. But here's the problem, no pun intended, good. Um, the problem is that, that they would come and they would bring their, their money and they'd say, oh, I'm, I'm gonna charge you $10 to change 25 cents into the temple tax. Or they had to offer a sacrifice so they could have forgiveness of sins, the covering of the sins. They would say, oh, a, a dove, you might get two doves for a penny, but I'm going to charge you $10 just for the convenience of being here in the temple. And Jesus hated this attitude. So the first time he comes to the temple, he sees this. The Bible says this is at the very first part of his ministry. He sees this and he, he, it says he sits down and he makes a whip. Now it would take a long time to make a whip, a scourge. And then when he finished, he gets it. So I think he's just watching. I think he's talking to his heavenly father. He's watching however long it takes to make a whip. And then he chased them out and he said, not in here, not in my father's house. This will not be a money place. This is going to be a house of prayer, not in here. And he chases them out and people are like, Ooh, man, don't mess with Jesus. And nobody did. I mean, that's kind of crazy. He has so much command and power that nobody jacked with him for doing that. The second time it happened was in the last week of his life. He makes the triumphal entry. The Bible says that he goes to the temple. And so three years later, the people are doing the exact same thing. The money changers are still doing all of their stuff. They're still making it a, a, a fraudulent house, a rip-off house. They're ripping people off. Jesus sees it. And this time it's right before evening. And so the Bible says he goes back to Bethany, which is about a mile and a half away. He goes back and stays with his friends. And he comes back the next day and he goes, not in my father's house. My father's house was created to be a house of prayer for all nations. You're making it a robber's den. Oh no, we're not about to have this. And he overturns the money tables. He chases them out. And again, nobody jacked with Jesus because he had this power from God. And he said, you are not about to turn my father's house into a financial center where you get rich at poor people's expense. Now, to help you understand this, I thought, how many of you have been to a Cowboys game? You've been to Jerry World up in Arlington, or you've been to the American Airlines Center, or you've been to some sporting event, some professional sporting event. Well, I, here's a picture of the, uh, of the concession prices at the, range, uh, at the, at the Cowboys games. Uh, the Kobe burger is 13 bucks. How many of you regularly spend $13 for a hamburger? That better be some choice piece of meat, right? But I, that, it's probably not. Look down here at the bottom. Souvenir soft drink, six bucks. Bottled water, five bucks. Do you know how much a bottle of water costs if you you get a big case at Sam's, it's usually eight to 10 cents per bottle, right? They're making insane profit. Mr. Wonderful on Shark Tank would like that, that type of profit. 
Jesus said, we're not going to have that in the, in the church. We're not going to have that in my father's house. Um, can you imagine if we had vendors running up and down the aisles for, like this guy? Who's this guy? You've seen the Dr. Pepper guy, right? Yeah, it's cold Dr. Pepper here. You know, it's a pretty funny dude. Can you imagine if he's walking up and down? Get your prayer blessings here. $10. It's a generic blessing, but you pay me $10 just for the convenience. Get your prayers answered here. If you need, if you need scripture, you need blessings, you need wisdom, I'll sell it to you for the highest price. And Jesus says, oh, no, 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 not in here. Jesus had his harshest words for the hypocrites, the people who would put on a mask and pretend they were one thing when they were something else. And in Matthew chapter 23, we're going to read something um, called the woe chapter. Um, W-O-E, and it's not like the, you know, it's not like the turtle guy in Finding Nemo, whoa, dude, you know, it's not, not that, that's not what it means, and it's not like the, whoa, 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 hold your horses, that's not what it means. When Jesus says whoa, and he says it several times in chapter 23, when he says whoa, he's like, oh, no, 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 not in here, you will not act like that. So every time you hear the word whoa, it's, oh, no, no, sir. Let's read in verse 27 and 28 of chapter 23, Matthew 23. Woe to you. No, 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 no. No, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you hypocrites who put on a mask and pretend you're someone else. Oh, no. You are like whitewashed tombs. Was that, was that a compliment? You're like a whitewashed tomb. Look what he says, in case you think it is, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way on the outside, you appear, you appear to be righteous, but on the inside, you're full of hypocrisy and unclean, the wickedness. Now, when Jesus says they're unclean, that's a big deal because last week we talked about ceremonially cleansing. And Jesus said, you guys are hypocrites. And he, that's not all he calls them. Look at verse 33. You snakes, you brood of vipers. This is not complimentary because here's how you know. How will you snakes, vipers, hypocrites, how will you escape being condemned to hell? You're going straight to hell. See, the hypocrite is one who dresses up on the outside while the inside is empty. They're far from God, but they want you to think they're full of God. And, and I think then, and I think sometimes now, at least my experience in church, is the people who spend the most time cleaning up the outside are sometimes the ones that are most empty on the inside. Because they're too worried about people, not enough worried about God. See, I want you to see what Jesus, when Jesus say, no, 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 I want you to see what he's not saying. He's not saying, a woe to you who say bad words. No, 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 you custers. That's not what he said. He's not saying, woe to you watch bad shows on Netflix sometimes. He's saying, oh, no, 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 not in here, not, 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 not that show. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying, um, woe to you who do bad things. Oh, no, bad thing doers. You're not coming in here. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, woe to you, oh, no to you who do those things but act like you don't. He's not saying, um, woe to you who are imperfect. He's saying, woe to you who act like you're not. A few weeks ago, I was with a group of people, and nobody there knew I was a pastor. And uh, uh, this is always fun. And so they're just being themselves. I mean, there's lots of, lots of raunchy stuff going on, and, and, and not, I mean, talk, raunchy talk. There's a bunch of dudes. And um, there's all this talk going on, and, and so I actually texted Janie, and I said, man, this is going to be fun. Um, and, and the guy that I was, I was talking to the most, um, he, had a, he had a cooler 
and it was filled with beer. And so he says to me, he goes, hey, man, did you hand me a beer? I said, sure. I opened it up. I said, what, what flavor? Because there's several. I hand him, and he goes, help yourself. Have one. I said, no, thanks. I, I, I don't need one. He goes, you don't drink? And I said, well, well no. Um, he goes, what do you do? <laughs> and I said, well, I'm a preacher. He goes, oh, crap. <laughs> because we were going to be together about the next two hours. And it was really, it's so funny when people find out I'm a preacher. But here's, here's what happened. Um, he, goes, he goes, you got a thing against drinking? I said, no. I said, in my church... I have people who are recovering alcoholics and I just, I can't do that in front of them or whatever. And he goes, he looks at me with his beer in his hand. He goes, don't do anything that causes your brother to stumble. I said, he goes, yeah, I know the Bible. <laughs> and I said, really? And, and anyway, we were together about two hours and it ended up being this really cool thing where we had some spiritual conversations and, and so then I saw somebody who, who knew him, and I'm not trying to dishonor him at all. He's a great guy. In fact, I, I want to hang out with him again. But somebody who saw that I was paired up and knew I was a pastor knew he definitely wasn't. And they go, we're so sorry. And I said, why? I got no problem with somebody being who they are. None whatsoever. In fact, I would rather be around people who know they're lost than people who pretend they're saved. In a heartbeat. Woe to you who are imperfect, but you act like you're not. I got an agree or disagree statement for you today. So there's two options. Agree, disagree. What are the two options? Thank you. Here's the statement. Social media is perfect breeding ground for hypocrisy. Anyone disagree? At least not publicly. I can't say that. I got to put on my mask. Because think about this, all day, every day, I show you what I want you to see. My marriage is awesome. We're lovey-dovey. Look at us. I love my husband. You're not even sleeping in the same bedroom. You've not had a date or you've not shown kindness. You've not been together sexually in months, but man, you want everybody to think you are great. Look at us. We're awesome. Or here I am doing my devotion here's my Bible, here's my cup of coffee, because it's not really seriously spiritual on the internet unless there's a mug of coffee sitting right there. And I'm not going to tell you that I spent more time getting the lighting right and the picture right than I did reading the Bible or spending time with God. I'm not going to tell you that because I don't want you to know that. I want you to think I'm spiritual. I want you to see what I want you to see. And the message Jesus has for you, if you're, if you're doing that, he said... How are you going to ex escape being condemned to hell? And some of you are going, lighten up, Doug. It's social media. Jesus didn't lighten up, so I can't lighten up because I'm going to stand before him someday. And, and he's not going to take a popular vote about whether I did what I was supposed to do. He's going to look at me, and he's going to judge me. Now, I, I, I'm in the kingdom of God, but the Bible says you will give an account for every careless word that you speak. I can't lighten up. If you're a little bit uncomfortable right now, I think that's a good thing because it means you're self-aware. See, really, that's the problem with hip hypocrisy is we're others aware. 
we're not self-aware. We're, we're so dominated by everyone else that, that we, we, they control us. Um, the real danger in a message like this is for you to say, man, I'm, this happens all the time, right? I'm just telling you, this happens all the time. I'm so glad he is hearing this. I'm so glad she is here. Or if they're not, oh, I am so sending them the link to this message. Or getting on Facebook, did you, you need to listen to this message. It's a, God's going to speak to you. See, self-awareness says, what do I need to get out of this message? Others' awareness says, I'm not going to deal with my stuff, but man, you need to deal with yours. So if you're uncomfortable, that probably means that you're at least open to what God wants to show you today. And God's going to show you four things. I think four things he wants you to know from today. And here they are. First thing God wants to show you is there is hope for the hypocrite. And Michelin, I think maybe this should be our, our next t-shirt. Only hypocrites allowed. I don't know. Hope for the hypocrites. Follow me to New Life Community Church or something. I don't know. We'll, we'll figure that out. Um, but, but here's, here's the deal. And I want to read this verse and hang on to the end because the first person, first part's not hopeful. The last part is woe to you. Oh no, 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 no. Teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence blind Pharisee. Nothing good about that. Here's the good part. Here's the hope first clean the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will be clean. First, Allow the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit never starts from the outside in. The Holy Spirit works in your heart. And because he changes you, before you know it, God's spilling out of you. And everybody sees it. And it's, you're not doing anything so that they, that they see that you're spiritual. You're just being who God created you to be. And he's leaping out from inside of you. It's always an inside-out job, never outside in. You see, it, here's the problem. We have some we have some list of things that that, that folks do that's that's hypocritical. Full time pastor, part time follower of Christ. I've done it. Full disclosure. I've been so busy doing work for God that I totally neglected the work of God in my own heart. Dumbest thing I've ever done in my life is try to be a full time pastor and a part time follower of Christ. But I'm not the only one. That makes it better, right? Full-time mom, part-time follower of Christ. I'm just going to tell you something right now. You don't have the wisdom. You don't have the strength. You don't have the power to deal with your children. I'm just telling you. And if you think you do, you will, you will live a defeated life. Because it needs, you need supernatural power. You need supernatural wisdom. You need supernatural grace. Because we hurt each other all the time, sometimes intentionally, sometimes not. And all I'm saying is, you need a higher power. His name is Jesus. You need resurrection power. We sing about it all the time. It's available, but we, don't try, to, we try to do it on our own, and, and we're defeated because we do it on our own. Here's another one. Full-time business person, part-time follower of Christ. Money is on the throne of my life, and everybody around knows it. But I'll pretend on the weekends that I'm a follower of Christ or power or fame, whatever it is. I'm going to chase that with everything that I am. And at my funeral, people are going to say, money was his God. They may not say it from the pulpit, but you better believe family knows what your God is. Or this one, full-time student, part-time follower of Christ. If you think students 
that you can go out into the world and, and thrive without the power of Christ, you're going to be a punching bag for Satan. I'd rather be an honest sinner than a lying and deceptive hypocrite. Some of you are really tired of playing the game. So this message is for you. Now the second thing God wants to show you today is Jesus has a zero tolerance policy for hypocrisy. How many of you love hypocrite? I mean love people to be hypocritical to you? Anyone? As much as you despise hypocrisy, Jesus despises it more. That's not good news. Well, the next one is. Number 3. Here's what God wants to show you. He has unlimited grace for a sinner who seeks forgiveness. Anyone who's hurting, anyone who drops to their knees and, and drops their mask and says, forgive me, heal me, redeem me, save me, change me, Jesus' answer is always yes. Pride goes before the fall. God opposes the proud, but when he finds someone who says, oh God, depart from me, I'm a sinner. Jesus invades that person's life with a power not of this world, a resurrection power. He does not do that for proud, proud people. And some of you are so afraid of being real. What if they find out that, that, that I have problems? What if they find out I'm not perfect? First thing is, they already know. <laughs> Second thing is, Satan has, has convinced you that playing a game is the safest option. But, but here's the thing. This is, I want to let you in on the secret. If you don't get anything else today, get this. You have nothing to fear when you have nothing to hide. This is scriptural. It's what we base Celebrate Recovery on. We're only as sick as our secrets. When we bring stuff out into light, God has power. Satan loses power. Look at a couple of verses real quick. Whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. You try to conceal, you know, the concealer you put on your face or whatever. You try to conceal your sins, you will never prosper. Never prosper. But the one who confesses, the one who confesses finds mercy. Some of you are hiding behind a mask, and I, I want you to say this out loud. Go ahead and put it up there, Bobby. I'm going to say the first phrase. We, we, the preteens showed they could do this this week, so I think you can too. It took us about 16 tries in the first service, but I'm, I'm telling you up front. Um, I'm going to say the first half of the verse. You repeat what I say. There is no power, is no power behind, the mask. behind the mask. We're going to do it one more time. There's no power, There's no power behind the mask. The only power that you're ever going to, the only power that, that will help you heal from what's, what's destroying you comes when you drop the mask and you step into the light. This is what 1 John 1 says. God is light in him. There is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. There's a direct correlation between your honesty in the presence of God and God's power in your life. There's also a direct correlation between your fellowship with other believers and your honesty in their lives. If there's no fellowship, you're, somebody's being dishonest. If you're walking in darkness, it means you're not tapped into God's light. The blood of Jesus purifies, strengthens, empowers people who are honest before him. So, because Jesus has this zero tolerance for hypocrisy, I want us to pray a prayer as we finish up today. 
and it comes straight from the scriptures. Paul said this in Psalm 139, 23. He said, search me. Don't search my neighbor, God. Don't search my parent. Don't search this person that I'm upset with. Search me, oh God. And know my heart. Test me, not my neighbor, not my parents, not my teacher. And know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you, God. And lead me along the path of everlasting life. See, hypocrisy is the gap between what we say and what we do. So how do you close the gap? Here's the first thing. You do not close the gap with perfection or with a better mask. Oh, let's just paint this one prettier and then put it on. No, you, you close the gap between what you say and what you do with Christ. It's always with Christ. It's always this, this is the Sunday school answer, Jesus. He's our righteousness, our healing, our redemption, our forgiver, and our leader. And if you need a breakthrough today, you need to drop the mask. Some of you need to write on the back of your card, my marriage, we've been playing a game. Some of you need to say, we're in debt, we're drowning, and we don't know what's going to happen. Some of you need to say, I'm, I'm at the wit's end with, with whatever relationship. You need to write that on your card today. And some of you need to come and put it right here on the altar. We're going to finish today a little differently, and I know we're running over. Um, if you need to go, you go ahead and go. But we're going to play the song, Resurrecting. And the main line is, the resurrected king is resurrecting me. There's something in your life that I think needs to be resurrected, and you need to confess it to God. And some of you need to come place it on this altar. Now, we have the baskets at the back. We're not going to yell or whatever because this, this is a serious time. The joy basket, the bagel basket, the registration card basket. You can still put your card back there. But some of you need to come up here and spend some time worshiping your heavenly father and being real before him before you ever try to walk out those doors. So this is the dismissal. If you need to go, you go ahead and go. If not, worship your heavenly father and be as real and as transparent as you can. And I promise you're going to experience a power that's not of this world.